2: You may have noticed there are strange tall boys of beer in the bottled water section of your local stores. Well, it's not beer, it's actually mountain spring water from the Alps, and it's called liquid death. So, that can you see your coworkers cracking open at your 9 a.m. meeting? It isn't beer, it's liquid death. So, why is this water called liquid death? Well because it will brutally murder your thirst and their infinitely recyclable tall boy cans are helping to bring death to plastic bottles. They also donate 10% of the profits from every can sold to help kill plastic pollution. Drinking water from a freezing cold can is actually way more refreshing than a bottle, trust me. Plus it is way better for the environment and the economy. They're still, they're sparkling, mango chainsaw, buried alive, and my personal favorite, severed lime. And they are now armed with 3 grams of agave nectar for even more brutal flavor. So I'm going to enjoy this can of lime, and you can go get Liquid Death at your local Target, Walmart, or 7-Eleven. Or you can find a Liquid Death retailer near you with their store locator tool at liquiddeath.com slash packaday. That's liquiddeath.com slash packaday. <laughs>
3: 20 minutes a day, 365 days a year. This is the Pack-A-Day Podcast. Welcome back to another episode of the Pack-A-Day Podcast. You can get all your Pack-A-Day updates by following us on Twitter at Packaday Podcast. And remember, you can always subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, TuneIn, Stitcher, or Spotify. And, of course, you can always check us out over at cheeseheadtv.com. I'm Kyle Fellows, and I am joined by my co-host, Andrew Mertig. Andrew, it's kind of a – this is a special occasion. It's a Thanksgiving night. We're recording this. So how was your Thanksgiving, sir? Yeah, well, I I would
2: say in fairness, the weather is probably nicer here than most of the rest of the country. So I have a I have very very little to complain about. Uh, I do wish I had been able to make the trek home to visit family in Wisconsin, but you know, all in all, I got to watch football and eat, and I'm
3: unbelievably blessed to have everything I do. So uh, how was yours? Yeah, it was great. Uh, it's wonderful spending time with family, watching the football and just slowing down a little bit right from the pace of life that many of us are used to and just remembering the most important parts of life so absolutely blessed good day uh, my thanksgiving was great i will say um we did the unthinkable today and we ate tacos on thanksgiving <laughs> um my sister doesn't come into town till tomorrow so tomorrow it's the traditional meal with all the wonderful things uh but today was tacos so that's a little bit outside the box i know you are opposed to the traditional Thanksgiving meal, yeah, not so much
2: to pose. It's just that, like, <laughs> I don't think I like it as much as everybody else, and I, I probably side with Andy Herman a little bit more than most. But I, uh, I actually had steak tonight, so very nice. You know, take that, very nice. <laughs> um, you know, it. So, like, I get it. the The Packers aren't playing well. They face a, a very tough matchup on Sunday, but it, this is still a great opportunity to watch Packers football. And enjoy the chance to further evaluate this roster. So, you know, whether you're listening to this on your way to the deer stand or hunting some retail deals on Black Friday or driving home from family festivities... We are just so incredibly thankful for all those out there listening and for really giving us the chance to share our thoughts with you. And I have one more special shout out, Kyle. Okay, do this. I just wanted to make sure that we said a big welcome to the newest member of the Packaday family, uh, Vincent Frederick Loney.
3: Yes, absolutely.
2: Maggie, of course, such a big part of our trio uh, normally, and Maggie will be back with us eventually, but uh, welcoming Vincent into the world, into the Packaday family, into the uh, Cheesehead
3: Nation, Uh, so that was very, very exciting news that we got earlier this week. Yes, absolutely, we want to celebrate that, and Maggie, of course, being a part of our team, had shared her due date with us earlier this fall, and so, you know, of course, like, we know she's off doing, you know, she's taking her break from the podcast. But we hadn't heard any news, and that date had kind of come and gone. And so uh, exciting to see that kind of pop up and uh, and and to celebrate that with them. So congrats. They're going to be great parents, and uh, just so excited for them. But, um, Andrew, I guess, formalities aside, we got to talk about some football. And oh, we do. I guess. We have to. The Packers play a game this weekend, um, Week 12, It promises to be an important game for the Packers. Uh, They've got a Sunday night football matchup traveling to Philadelphia for this game against the Eagles. And so Andrew and I are here for another round of our key matchups and X-Factors. As we always do, we're going to dive into this Eagles team, their roster, and talk about which matchups are going to be tipping points in the football game. And then, of course, at the end of the show, we won't get out of here without those X-Factor predictions for the week. But let's go ahead and get started. Uh, Andrew, what is your first matchup that you're going to be watching when Green Bay takes on Philadelphia on Sunday night?
2: Yeah, and it is funny. I mean, you know, on this day, we're supposed to be thankful. I think sometimes we take for granted how much the Packers are on national TV, right? Yeah, I, I was I was listening to a podcast and they were talking about Sunday night football. And I want to say I might get the stat wrong, but I thought it was the New York Jets that had been on like Sunday night football 15 times total, like since the inception of Sunday what? night football. Oh my but, goodness, that's Yeah. Crazy. And, and so like you think about that, that's like once every two years and here the Packers are, they're on Sunday night football multiple times every single year. It's a great matchup. I I would expect, you know, as long as the Packers stay reasonably competitive because of the following, because they, they sort of have a national fan base, then, you know, they would continue to have that, but that's something that people take for granted. Like nobody wants to see the bad team. And so, uh, we always know there is a cycle um, in being a fan, and sometimes that cycle is being bad for a while. The best franchises don't stay bad for long, right? Like mm. you, you talk about the Pittsburghs, uh, you know, certainly maybe a little bit more modern history, but the Patriots, the yeah. Ravens are always really good. The Packers, um, the, you know, 49ers in a right. sense. Um those are our teams that typically stay good because of the consistency that they have mm. in ownership and front office and those kind of things. Um, and we wouldn't expect the Packers to, to have to like rebuild for long. But that being said, um, you know, having a Sunday night matchup is pretty cool and, and definitely looking forward to you that. You didn't
3: mention the Washington football team mm, or forgot. the Arizona Cardinals. Like I'm surprised that you didn't. <laughs> Yeah. You don't need to roast the other teams in the NFL. That's those okay those
2: really well-run teams, yes, one of which absolutely. has beaten the Packers this year. Oh, um, so. Cool. so anyways, uh, we have <laughs> key, key matchups to talk about. Uh, and my first one, this is actually really fun, right? And so like we we've talked about it like maybe playoff hopes and aspirations are all but uh, gone at this point. But there's still a lot of fun things to watch. And and some of those, I think, come in just like the great fun of football and elite players playing against each other. And that's where I'm going to start. And that's A.J. Brown versus Jair Alexander. Uh, A.J. Brown has really been a tour de force all season, but he's been relatively quiet the last two weeks. Mm. I have to imagine the Eagles are going to look to get him going early because of the like constant threat of this Philadelphia run game, both, both from the running backs, of course, and also Jalen Hurts. Play action passing can be incredibly effective for Philly, so Jair may end up on an island a little bit more than usual, and we might actually like that as fans. Yeah. Um, and I'm guessing he is absolutely hyped up about the opportunity to match up with Brown, who has been one of the best in the league. So if Jair does give up a catch, tackling is going to be really, really, really important. A.J. Brown quickly turns into one of the most difficult players in the league to tackle after the catch. And despite how physical Jair is and how willing he is to make tackles in the run game or, or after receivers make catches, uh, Brown is just so hard to take down one-on-one, especially for somebody who, you know, let's face it, has a little bit more of a diminutive stature. Mm-hmm. So if A.J. Brown goes nuts against Green Bay, I'm not sure there is any way, any path to victory whatsoever. So keeping him in check
3: will be something that I am going to keep a really close eye on. I'm glad that that was one of your matchups this week, because it was one that I almost mentioned. um, But I mean, Jair is obviously a, a stud player for the Packers, one of the best in the NFL, but it's kind of one of those players that has like had some ups and downs. He's absolutely made some incredible plays this season, but also just along with his defense has had those, Those tough moments as well. So excited to see him in this matchup with a player of A.J. Brown's caliber for sure. Um, I'm going to flip the script here to the other side. I'm going to talk about the Packers wide receiver group versus the Eagles cornerbacks. And the Eagles corners are really, really good. James Bradbury and Darius Slay both grade in the top 16 in coverage for PFF. And Avante Maddox, who's their nickel corner, isn't too far behind them either. So I don't need to tell anyone listening to this podcast the Packers have had their struggles (laughs) generating offense this entire season. We saw the Packers do some really nice things in the Dallas game late to come back and win. And then we saw Christian Watson continue to produce last week in Tennessee. But that was a very vulnerable secondary. I think we need to keep in mind that going into that game, that was a secondary that has struggled as of lately. So the Packers face a significant test this week. They have Lazard and Cobb, who played great last week, by the way, right? He's actually been a nice contributor when he's been available and Christian Watson, this might be the most solidified and settled group that the Packers have had at receiver all season, right? There's been a lot of moving pieces, lots of injuries, but now that seems like that group is kind of settling in to maybe be that trio that could be an impact for this offense, but they face potentially their toughest matchup of the season this week. The Eagles have allowed the second fewest passing yards per game in the NFL Uh, Some of that is to the credit of their pass rush. Uh, But we know the Packers need to find a spark on offense. And yes, they do need a quarterback to play a little bit more consistently. But this is a tough matchup to draw when you're in need of kind of that get right game. So I'll think that this will be one that you'll be wanting to watch as you're watching those Philadelphia corners in general. But the specific matchup that I think could be interesting is if the Packers can get Christian Watson, matched up with james bradbury because bradbury he's a 4 5 40 guy right he's never been the fastest player in the entire world so if green bay can get that matchup, they might test it to see if the rookie and watson can keep that hot streak alive and get some juice for this offense but overall this eagles quarterback group is very very good and i kind of expect them to give the packers fits on sunday night
2: yeah, and I'm going to mention something that I'm contemplating bleeping out moving forward, um, and that <laughs> is com- complimentary as a word. Complimentary? Um, it's become a four letter word in my dictionary. But oh. it, so, like, we talk about how bad the Packers' complimentary football has been. And then you take a look at the Eagles. And and that's not to, like, discount how good their corners are. Darius Slay, we know, has been a top-level corner in the NFL for years. And James Bradbury was good enough in Carolina that the Giants threw a ton of money at him. Mm-hmm. Um, got cut. Doesn't mean he's not good anymore, right? Like, you know, he he has had a huge year. Mm-hmm. But Slay and Bradbury are very good cover players, but, like, they also have an incredible pass rush yeah. that's helping them out. And, yeah. and and that's the thing, you know, like, it just always seems like something's missing with the Packers, right? Jire has great coverage, and the pass rush just never gets home. The quarterback has forever. Somebody breaks open, right? Um, or the the... Packers get a great pass rush and somebody blows a coverage and, you know, right. the the other team ends up getting a huge completion on a third and long. It, it's like they, they just never do that. And the Eagles have been nearly perfect up until really two weeks ago. Um, and they, they've hit a, a small bump in the road. But but again, playing really, really well um this defense is going to be a big test and one of the reasons why is my next key matchup and that is former Wisconsin Badger TJ Edwards who has been quietly one of the let best linebackers in the entire league um in fact going back to pro football focus they have him ranked as linebackers three in the entire league uh, on the season. And, and Edwards has been equally as effective as a run stopper in pass coverage and as a blitzer, which you don't always see, right? Like a lot of times one of those grades tends to carry a player, but he really has been a, a truly versatile three down linebacker. And his ascendance is somewhat similar to what we saw from Devondre Campbell last year. And I think that's a major reason why this Eagles defense has made a leap to one of the best in the NFL And so, of course, Kyle just got done talking about the Eagles' corners, so we don't predict the Packers are going to get a lot out of the passing game, so they have to establish the run. And this defensive line is a nightmare to match up against. So my key matchup here is T.J. Edwards against Aaron Jones. I think the Packers' interior is going to struggle to get to the second level, which means Aaron Jones and T.J. Edwards might be forced to go directly up against one another. And... I think if Jones can win enough of those battles, the Packers can sustain enough drives to keep this game close. But if not, I fear we are going to see a ton of three and outs in this game potentially could get really ugly.
3: Yeah, I totally agree with you. And I think that there's a two two benefits to Aaron Jones. Obviously, he's a very, very talented player. He's a player you want to keep the ball in his hands. But if the run game is working, then that's helping you with your clock management, which I'm going to talk about later in the show a little bit. But I mean, if there's a way for the Packers to stay in this game, which I think <laughs> people continue to write the Packers off, and they're getting better and better reason to do so. But if there's a way for them to win this game, which they're not expected to win, I think it's straight through Aaron Jones. And that's a great matchup there with the linebacker group. And I'm glad he talked about that one. Uh, but my next one here is Quay Walker. Versus Jalen hurts. Okay. And it's been really fun watching Walker grow as a player this season, right? Last week, 12 tackles, a half a sack, a tackle for loss and a quarterback hit for the young player, just a monstrously impactful game for anybody, but especially for a rookie. Uh, But this week, Jalen hurts is on the field, right? And if Green Bay has any hope of leaving Philly with a victory, they're going to have to contain Hurts on the ground. He's an incredible player. He's already amassed 440 yards and eight touchdowns on the ground. He has the fourth most rushing touchdowns in the NFL. He's ahead of players like Austin Eckler, Dalvin Cook, Josh Jacobs, and Joe Mixon. So you've got to contain this guy because he's a quarterback. He's kind of a running back alongside that because of the way that he's able to create just yards on offense. So you got to contain him. You definitely have to be aware of his legs, especially in the red zone, right? That's eight touchdowns. It's incredible. Quay is going to be the Packers' best hope of keeping Hurts from having that big day rushing the football of course, they'll have to account for people like Miles Sanders as well, and Walker will also be busy in coverage. I'm sure he's going to have multiple responsibilities. But what Quay is able to do on Sunday to limit Hertz might be one of the biggest keys to the Packers staying in this football game. Yeah, and we talked about um, in the game
2: recap last Thursday how impressed we were with Quay, how, how well he really played in that game despite it being a loss for the Packers. And he is going to be tested out the next two weeks. You got Jalen Hurts and then Justin Fields, arguably, you know, the two of the three best running quarterbacks in the NFL. Um, And that is going to be a very big challenge for the young guy who has really stepped up in Devondre, the absence, but um, will have to continue to do so to keep the Packers in these games. Um, I'm going to go a little bit out on a limb here. um, And I chose Quez Watkins versus Darnell Savage as a key matchup in this game. And the reason why is if the Packers can slow down the run game and then also hold up against A.J. Brown, right, two big, really, really big ifs, (laughs) if you will, Uh, Philly will be forced into some third and mediums. And I know Devontae Smith is certainly a threat, but I I trust Jair and Rasul to at least be able to hold their own against Smith and Brown. But what could be a problem is Quez Watkins. Um, The 3rd year receiver has been playing primarily out of the slot for Philly, and Savage has been playing a lot of slot corner, and that may mean he gets matched up with the Eagles slot receiver. And I don't think that this is a bad matchup for Green Bay at all. In fact, Pro Football Focus doesn't think very highly of Quez Watkins, but the Packers are going to be have to put their resources in a lot of other places, right? Mm. You have to worry about Jalen Hurts running. You have to worry about Miles Sanders out of the backfield or Kenneth Gainwell. You have to worry about uh, A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith out wide. So the Packers are going to be spread thin, and that might mean some one-on-one matchups for, mm. for Darnell Savage against Watkins in the slot. And, like, no offense, Savage has been much better at slot corner than he ever was at safety, but he's still not great. And I do worry about that being a problem. Um, But on the other hand, if Savage can shut down Watkins, that could go a long ways towards not allowing the Eagles to extend drives. Um, And also throw one other name in there that is Jack Stoll, the tight end, Mm. uh, who is in in place of
3: Dallas Goddard. Goddard.
2: Oh my gosh, the (laughs) name escaped me for a second. I was thinking Zach Ertz for some reason. Uh yeah, so Dallas Goddard and uh, who is out this week? Thanks for Kyle for pointing that <laughs> out to me before I embarrass myself. Um, so yeah, quiz Watkins. I, I think you know the Packers are not. Uh, in fact, there's kind of an embarrassing history of the Packers getting beat by some players that are super under the radar. Yeah. Um, and I think Watkins could be a danger of being that this week. Beer in the water section. You've
4: piqued my interest, Liquid Death. Okay, so it's not actually beer, it's mountain spring water from the Alps, but it sure as heck looks like a beer when you first see it. And it should pique your interest too, because Liquid Death is the incredible new product that looks like a can of beer, but is actually water that comes in sparkling still and three delicious flavors. We've been downing can after can of Liquid Death at my house, and everyone's always interested. What are you drinking? What is that? Did Xavier just drink a beer? It's been downright fantastic. And best of all, the water is actually incredible. Listen, I am not a water guy and sparkling water never really did it for me, but even I can't get enough of the lime liquid death, which we have been going through like crazy. So it's fun. It's delicious. And it's actually better for the environment because you aren't adding more plastic bottles to your local landfills. I love the tall boys of Liquid Death, and I know you're going to as well. If you haven't checked them out yet, you should probably fix that right now and get to a store immediately. You can find Liquid Death at your local Woodman's, 7-Eleven, Roundy's, or Hive, or find a Liquid Death retailer near you with their store locator tool at liquiddeath.com packaday. That's liquiddeath.com packaday.
0: We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all.
3: All right, so not to change the subject, but my my mind is running to something else. And you've already talked about, you know, the the potential for a um oh, we're we're struggling remembering names. Jair Alexander, there it is, matchup with AJ Brown this week. But my mind is thinking about you know, you talked about Devonta Smith as the other threat for this offense, and part of me is like wondering like, would a matchup with Jair and Devonta Smith actually be more advantageous for the Packers, just because of their builds and the way that Devonta Smith wins. A.J. Brown, obviously someone who wins with size. And we saw Rasul Douglas match up really well against some really good receivers last year when Jair wasn't available. So I don't know. That's just where my mind is going that I'm wondering, like, maybe Devonta actually has more success against someone like Rasul, and maybe it would be wise to switch that up at times. But you're talking about... Oh, sorry. I I do think I think that's a, a an absolutely great point. What we've
2: seen from Joe Barry so far is he's just not willing to shadow players. Yeah. Right. Um. He's not willing to have to have those communication miscues when they're in zone. And so the corners largely stay on their side of the field. Right. And so I think the matchup will be mostly dictated by what the Eagles actually want to do. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I, I, I think that's a great point. You know, body type wise, Rasul being as physical as he is probably is a better matchup against A.J. Brown. Mm-hmm. But so
3: so we'll see. I mean, may, maybe Joe Berry comes out and does something yeah. a little bit different. Yeah. And A.J. Brown, I mean, you see a lot of hand fighting from. Uh, someone like A.J. Brown at the top of routes and things like that. And maybe, you know, Rasul likes to do a little bit of that as well. Maybe they both get away with a little bit of physicality if they're matched up. I don't know, just where my brain was going. Just trying to figure out how the Packers are going to handle all of this and, and these weapons that the Eagles do have. But um, let's talk about Hassan Reddick versus Yash Nyman, okay? And it's been great to see Hassan Reddick kind of rebirth his career now that he's out of Arizona, getting out of the desert. He's been great as more of a true pass rusher, able to kind of really lean into some of those things that he was in college and those kinds of things. So for the Eagles, he's been a great player. I haven't watched every snap of the Eagles football season this year, far from it. But in the action I've seen, Reddick is almost always rushing from the left side, matched up against the opposing offense's right tackle. So I fully expect Reddick to see a lot of Nyman in this game on Sunday night. Nyman has been really solid and he's been a consistent player for this team. You can't ask much more than what he's given. He's not a mauler in the run game. He's not going to impose his will like that. But as a pass protector, he's shown that he's absolutely an NFL starter all day. And of course, you know, you've got David Bakhtiari, who's going to be busy on the other side with Brandon Graham and Josh Sweat. But I'm really curious to see how Reddick does against Nyman because he's been bringing the juice. And I think Nyman's shown that he can handle it. So I think that's going to be a really fun one to watch. Yeah, and that that matchup probably is going to be a lot of one-on-ones because you look at the
2: Philadelphia interior pass rush, Mm. which we haven't talked about. Yeah. Um, ton of talent. Now they have a ton of depth. On top of it, seemingly going out and signing every possible veteran that they can. And so we know the struggles that the Packers interior has had, Mm. and they are not going to be able to help out on the tackles Mm. whatsoever. So um, it is going to be a lot of Hassan versus Yash, maybe a little bit of chipping from the tight ends or running backs. But uh, that's probably all the help that that he's going to get. Um, and Yash has been up to it so far, as you mentioned. Um, but that is our key matchups. And now we transition over to X factors. Um, we want to see who we think is going to make the biggest difference in this game. And I'm going to go first. Um, I think this is the second time I've actually picked him. Um, and that is Kingsley and Igbari. And the Packers are going to have to be really stout against the run. And when they get into third down situations, they absolutely have to get stops. And a great way to do that is to get pressure on Jalen Hurts. Preston Smith has only been okay in generating pass rush this season, although I think he's played pretty darn well. So an unfair amount of that is going to fall on Barre. The Eagles tackles are really good, so I'd be incredibly impressed if Kingsley can step up and make some great plays. But I expect a few pressures and a few plays against a run for the new number 55 in Green Bay. And I will say this, for a young player, Preston knows this. But but for Kingsley, it is going to be so incredibly crucial that he stays in his rush lane. Mm. Because the second you lose contain against Justin Hurts yeah. and Justin Hurts, <laughs> combined uh, combining two different players, uh, <laughs> the second you l- lose contain against Jalen Hurts, it's over, right? Like mm-hmm. he's already converted the first down. He's hurt you, um, so. It's going to be really important that the Packers edges hold contain, even if it doesn't mean getting the sack. But I think he can still be really impactful by getting pressure and forcing Hurts to throw in an uncomfortable situation, which I will say, as well as he has played this year, he's still not very good at.
3: Yeah, I like that a lot. And um, I'm going to talk about a player here that I think I've already picked this year, but I think maybe now is a little bit less. Um, of a shoe-in as a contributor and maybe is in need of a, of a reboot here, and that's Alan Lazard. And Lazard might be one of the easiest players to root for on this Packers team. He's been nothing but a wonderful surprise since the Packers brought him to Green Bay. Rock solid, always dependable, and honestly kind of overachieving on his talent, of course. Uh, he's a gamer with a commitment to his craft and doing things the right way. But last week was kind of rough for Lazard, right? He had several drops. He gave up on a route at the end of the game. Now, in his defense on that, he's probably not running that route if Rodgers doesn't miss him on the play before. But regardless, I think it's obvious that Rodgers still trusts Lazard. He had 11 targets last week, and I think Rodgers goes back to him again in this game this weekend, and I think we can see a bounce-back game from Lazard. Uh, All he did for the first nine weeks of the season was score touchdowns. He had five in the first nine games. Uh, he hasn't scored the last two weeks, so he's due. And I, I've been, you know, impressed with Christian Watson. Everybody has been. He's kind of been sharing the wealth there, but I think that this is the week that he gets back into the end zone and Alan Lazard reestablishes himself as a really big threat for this offense. All right. So those are key matchups and X factors, and what we always finish the
2: show with. Is what we think our what we think the Packers' path to victory is going to be, um, and I think this is maybe a little bit more simplistic than than we've been going um, recently. But I would say number one is third down defense, and I've talked about that quite a few times already throughout the show. Um, the Eagles just have so many different ways to beat you when they're on offense, whether it's Hurts' legs, whether it's passing to their really talented running backs whether it is checkdowns to the guys over the middle. I mean, thankfully, they don't have Goddard, but, um, you know, they, they have two really, really special wide receivers on the outside. And so it's going to be a major, major challenge for this Green Bay defense just to get off of the field. I think they have to win special teams, which, you know, that's, that, that seems almost <laughs> impossible But I I really think like they need to do some small things to help win the field position battle, Um, whether that's, you know, actually returning a a punt in a positive direction or, um, you know, just just making sure that you're you're solid and not allowing the Eagles to get those free yards on kick and punt returns that give them an even greater advantage than they already have. And I think shorten the game. You mentioned this right with with Aaron Jones getting those firsts running more clock, keeping the Eagles offense off of the field. They already have enough depth on defense that they're not really going to get worn down too much. But I think if you can, you can shorten the game, you give yourself the greatest opportunity to come out on top.
3: Yeah, absolutely. That's exactly what I was going to talk about. The the offense has to sustain drives, right? And Aaron Jones, a big part of that, eat some of that clock, which does keep Hertz off the field also allows the defense to stay rested, which the defense has been roasted all year for, you know, giving up plays and, you know, collapsing at inopportune times and things like that. But in their defense – The offense hasn't helped them all season long. I mean, it's been quick turnarounds. They're right back on the field and they're tired. And so I think, uh, you know, the key to this game is going to be the the offense helping the defense out by getting some some drives that take some time up and limit how much time that the Eagles have to score points. The other thing that's going to be really interesting, this is a Sunday night football game. We've talked about, you know, how lucky is Packers fans that we get to watch so many of these primetime games. The Packers do not want to go out and basically throw their season in the trash can in front of a national audience. So it'll be interesting. I mean, they're on the road, they're traveling to this game, but I think that, I mean, this, I don't think that maybe we're as optimistic as some players in that locker room are who say that they're going to win out and and make the playoffs. But I do think that we can have some optimism that they're going to show up to play this football game because it's a Sunday night football game that America is going to watch on Thanksgiving weekend. So uh, I think a big key to this game is going to be them showing up with that kind of energy. Yeah. And I mean, let's face it, this is a Philadelphia
2: team that lost to the commanders, uh, largely because Washington was able to establish the run and wear them down. And they very nearly lost to the Indianapolis Colts, who don't even have an NFL head coach. And uh, I mean, basically have been getting crushed all season and suddenly you know, played played a really great game. Again, yeah. sort of going back to their identity of leaning on Jonathan Taylor. So I think there's a blueprint there mm-hmm. uh, for the yeah. Packers to succeed. I did not prepare you for this, Kyle, but I want to ask you one Uh-oh. question quick before we go. And that just simply is, we know if the Packers win on, on Sunday, um, we know they're just going to continue trying to push to you know, quote yeah. unquote run the table and uh maybe luck into that last wild card spot. If the Packers lose on Sunday mm. next week when mm. we're back here previewing the game, mm. are we previewing a a team at full force or are we maybe previewing Jordan Love's first start of the season?
3: I'm gonna say no to the to the idea that we're previewing for for Jordan Love. I think that time is coming. I think that, that Aaron Rodgers is self-aware enough to know that regardless of his place in the organization and what his plans are, that it just doesn't make sense for him to play. He has the injury out, right? Like when, when Matt LaFleur was asked the question, is Aaron Rodgers' thumb healthy enough to continue to play? Matt LaFleur said, I think so. Like, and he downplayed this, the concern, but he didn't say like, why would you ask that question? He didn't ask. He didn't. It didn't sound like something that wasn't concerning. And so the minute that this organization decides, hey, we just want to like do what's best for the organization, what's best for Aaron Rodgers, that thumb, man, all of a sudden, it's just not healing the way that we want it to, and there's not a lot to play for. I think they can flip that switch. However, they're not going to pull Aaron Rodgers before a divisional game against the Chicago Bears, a team that he loves to play, loves to beat. And that's a big part of his legacy is how much he dominates the Chicago bears. I don't think they pull it Chicago week, but I do think that it's in the cards in the week after as they get a little bit closer to the end of the season. What are your thoughts? What do you think? I mean, I don't know. Yeah.
2: Yeah. This is tough, right? Cause I think there's, there's several things I, I, I have been relatively vocal that I do think it's time to turn it over to Jordan love. And I understand you, you play Rogers until you are eliminated from the playoffs. Um, it, even if it's not technically official, if they lose to Philadelphia, I mean, it's official. We can all right. say, right. Yeah. Um, I, I totally get the temptation of the organization to say, okay, we're going to let Aaron Rodgers play in Chicago one more time and <laughs> beat up on the bears one more time in Chicago. And then you go into a bye week where you can say, all right, we're going to make this transition. We've got two weeks to get Jordan ready. Uh, we can put Aaron on IR, I use that as the excuse for why, you know, so it's definitely not a benching. Um, I just think from an organizational stand, organizational standpoint, if they lose to Philly. Do you want to beat the Bears? And I know from a football standpoint, of course you do. But it's advantageous to your draft position not to win that game. Mm. Uh, It is probably good to get Jordan Love against a really bad defense like the Chicago Bears possess. Um, I think. It is at least like interesting from an organizational standpoint if you know you're not going to make the playoffs. Let's say Aaron Rodgers wants to come back. Mm. Well, then it makes sense to play Jordan Love, and that gives you more information to make the decision on his fifth-year option this upcoming offseason. It also gives you more information to um, potentially float a trade to another team that's looking for a quarterback. If you think Aaron Rodgers is going to retire, which – we all think is a possibility. Well, then of course you want to know what you have in Jordan Mm -hmm. love because you might be picking really high and have to make a decision about a quarterback in this year's draft. And then if you think that Aaron Rodgers isn't going to retire, but you don't want him back and you're, you're potentially going to be looking for a trade for Mr. Rogers, uh, then you want to know what you have in Jordan love. And so I think it, there, there becomes a point in the season where you absolutely have to play him and you just have to see what you have against mm-hmm. real live NFL defenses who are trying to win games and, uh, you know, give throw Jordan Love into that fire and and see what kind of chemistry he has with some of the young playmakers around him yeah. as well. And then not further injure Aaron Rodgers, mm-hmm. uh, regardless of of what you're going to do this offseason. So, yeah. um, I mean, I guess in in a way I think like, After the Chicago game is probably the time to make the move. Maybe the Packers run off two in a row. And then this
3: sounds like a stupid talking point. Yeah. Well, it's just going to be interesting. Like, cause I feel like if they win the Chicago game, then the false hopes might continue. Like regardless of what happens with the Eagles game, you know, it's not going to be, I don't know. It's going to be one of those mathematically eliminated things. Right. Where like, maybe they still are in the hunt if they beat Chicago. And then it just gets weird. Right. because, I don't know. Part of me thinks Aaron Rodgers may reveal his plans to the Packers in that scenario, right? Because, I mean, if he's if he's going to retire, then maybe he wants to play that game. But at the same time, like, does Aaron Rodgers want to potentially risk his last game in Chicago being a loss, like, for his legacy? Maybe he's just like, hey, let Jordan play. And, like, I don't know. I'm I'm curious how that conversation goes, like, either way, because I do feel like at some point – The Packers are going to be like, hey, man, like if you're in, that's great. Like, let's not press the issue. Let's let you get healthy and just like do this. But if he's out, then that conversation becomes about legacy and like what games do you want to play? And like, how can we honor you? And like all those kinds of things. So it's going to be really interesting. I mean, the season is a mess. The season's not the fun that we maybe thought that it was, but it's still going to be interesting in so many different ways, because there's so many layers to the now, but there's so many layers to the future as well.
2: Yeah, absolutely. So it's going to be fascinating to watch one way or another. Uh, but that is all the time that we have for today. This has been the A Day Podcast. You can find Kyle on Twitter at Packer underscore Pundit. You can find me at Andrew Mertig. Please subscribe and consider giving us a five-star rating. You can catch Kyle and myself every single Friday. Next week, we'll be back previewing the Packers' Week 13 matchup against the Chicago Bears. Thanks for listening. And remember... Go Packers! Go